0: Luke chapter 7, we'll be reading verses 36 through 50 this morning, looking at a very special text that helps us understand what this week is all about. Luke 36, verse, Luke 7, excuse me, verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet feet With her tears and wiped them with her hair and with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, "If this man were a prophet, he would he would have known who had, who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner." And Jesus. Answering, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 at Arie and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace." Father, we ask your blessing upon the reading of this word, and we ask for your guidance as we look together at the lessons here before us. May this become a reminder of so many things we need to consider as we walk by faith in your light. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I've titled this morning's message, Lest We Forget. Lest is one of those old English words that means just in case, or let us keep on. So we could say, let us keep this reminder, or let us always remember. Why is it good to remember things? We very often remember lost loved ones, people who have died or perished by Sickness or age or accident or tragedy. It's become a quite popular thing these days to be driving down the road or driving through a parking lot and you see decals on windows that look just like the inscriptions on tombstones in a cemetery, remembering someone that that family person loved who has died. It's good to remember. We see on the roadside very often tributes to people, crosses and flowers where someone died in an accident. It's good to remember. It's good to remember the childhood. It's good to remember our children. The precious memories you have of your youngsters as they grew up will never be forgotten, at least in your lifetime. Humanity also has a habit of remembering great tragedy, great pain. And I think that humanity socially wants to do that in order that, in, in the hope that such things never happen again. It's been 21 years since the World Trade Center was destroyed Pentagon was attacked and another plane in a field in Pennsylvania was driven into the ground to stop terrorists. Every year on September eleventh, a ceremony is held around nine AM. Every name of the person that died when those towers fell, is remembered. This is not the first time we've had such memorials. You can go to Pearl Harbor and you can see memorials there to those who died when Japan attacked the harbor. You can return to Washington and see the great wall, the wall, of names of those soldiers who died in Vietnam. you go anywhere in America or even around the world and see memorials to the First World War. Or back then it was called the War to End All Wars. You can go to several states along the eastern seaboard and in the south and see memorials At the battlefields, to those who perished in the Civil War. All of these things are so that we may never forget, and we should remember. But there are some things that we tend to forget. And that's something we want to talk about this morning. We want to see what do we tend to forget and why should we remember it? Luke 7 is is an amazing text. And what we want to see here this morning is we need to remember your sin. You need to be moved by the mercy of God and you need to live eternally in His grace. We like to remember good things. We like to remember... Tragic tragic things because of the things we lost, but we tend to forget our condition. We want to think that we are always good enough or worthy enough for God's grace and God's mercy. But Scripture again and again wants us to remember. Remember your sin, be moved by His mercy, live eternally in His grace. In Luke chapter 7, we have an account where Jesus was invited by the Pharisee, his name was Simon, and the dinner party was crashed by a woman who apparently was not formally invited. I've often wondered, how did she get in? She must have been known by the household. But she was allowed in, and she came up to Jesus' feet and The portrait of the Last Supper is a very beautiful piece of artwork. But there were no chairs back then. Eastern custom was to recline at the table on pillows or cushions, leaning on one arm and then reaching with the other to feed, to take the food. So when this woman was at Jesus' feet, his feet was out away from the table, And she was weeping, washing his feet with her tears, drying his feet with her hair, and anointing his feet with oil. Who was she? We don't know. Tradition, this is church tradition, tradition has kind of equivocated her with Mary Magdalene, but there is nowhere in scripture that confirms this. In fact, we have no confirmation that Mary Magdalene was a woman of ill repute. Luke 8 says she was a woman whom Jesus cast out seven demons. She had some problems. But we don't know that this woman was her. Consider this as I explain this a bit. And in this we even see some of God's grace and God's mercy. The accusation or even the reputation of sexual sin back then was very shameful to the Jew. You may have been guilty of it. I mean, everyone is tempted and some people very secretly give in. But to be caught, to be exposed would ruin you for life. You would be cast out of the community. You would be considered untouchable, pretty much, if you were exposed. And each and every time in Scripture, when the Gospels talk about such women, they don't mention their names. Matthew 26 and Mark 14 give the account, another account, a similar incident, where this kind of thing happened. In both Matthew and Mark's account, this woman just anoints the head of Jesus. In Luke's account, she's anointing his feet. I believe that's two different instances. But at neither time are the women mentioned. John chapter 4, we only know her as the woman at the well. She's not named because of the promiscuity, and even the sexual abuse in her life. In John 8, the woman caught in adultery. We don't know her name. And I believe the authors of the Gospels were right to protect the identity of these people to allow that name, their names to be exposed could very easily bring them some, some shame that was not appropriate because their sins had been forgiven. It was not that God or Christ did not respect women, that he didn't name them. It's that he was protecting them. Because some people, even though they had been forgiven, even though they had been redeemed, some people would not know and not understand Verse 37, behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair, and hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. doesn't say much about who she was or where she came from. All it says is that she was a sinner. Why was she crying? Was she grieving? Was she glad? I think there was some grieving in that, and I think also there was some gratitude in that. But in combined the both i believe she was remembering who she was and what christ had already done for her i believe that she had already had an encounter with the lord and she was saying thank you she was remembering brothers and sisters you need to remember your sin You might think, you might argue, you might counter well, I've never been so bad. You no, you need to remember your sin. I need to remember my sin. If you're not remembering your sin, if you don't understand how deep you bear the shame of sin, you will never be moved by his mercy. God's mercy will not matter to you. You won't feel the need for it. You need to remember your sin. You need to understand that no matter what how good you think you've been, you are guilty in the eyes of God. For the thousands of white lies, for the gentle dishonesties that you've committed for deliberate sins and yielding to temptation you've committed? You need to be moved by his mercy. Verse 39, When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Simon the Pharisee was considered an honorable man. There was a time when being a Pharisee, back then, being a Pharisee was considered a good thing. The Pharisees were educated. They were leaders. They were the wise counselors. They were the teachers of the community. And they were very often known for their good reputation. I mean, they kept the law of God. And there was usually no reason to be accused for any wrongdoing if you were a Pharisee. The Pharisees expected the respect and the envy of all. Today, when we talk about, we, we very often accuse someone of being a Pharisee because what Christ did, he, he very often exposed their hypocrisy. He called them whitewashed tombs. Their outward righteousness just covered up a hollow, dark soul. See, you cannot you cannot be good enough for God. You can keep the law, but you're still guilty. You can be disciplined in keeping good things about life, but inside your thoughts. And your desires, and your temptations, and your weaknesses expose too much sin and shame before the God who sees all. This man thought, Jesus is a phony. If he knew this woman, who this woman was and what she was, he wouldn't even let her touch him. She was unclean. She was unfit. How did she get in the house? That's a message for another day. Verse forty in our text. Jesus answering and said, "Simon, I have something to say to you." And he answered, "Teacher, say it, teacher." A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed five hundred denarii, and the other fifty. And they could not pay. He canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet which was a so, social faux pas. You you offered someone the hospitality of washing their feet as they came in your door. And Simon, this righteous Pharisee, did not do that. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, her sins are forgiven, your faith has saved you, go in peace. You need to remember your sin. You need to be moved, emotionally moved by the mercy of God, sinner. You need to live eternally in his grace. The Bible repeatedly reminds us to remember. Remember the condition we all suffer. We are all lost. We are all sinful. We are all rebellious and without hope before Christ came into our lives. We can go back and look at the children of Israel as an example. Deuteronomy chapter 5 is where Moses records one of the, event, one of the records of the law. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 5 and Leviticus 20. But in Deuteronomy five thirteen, he is talking about the Sabbath day, the fourth commandment. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant, for you or your ox or your donkey or any other of your cattle, or your sojourner who stays with you, so that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out of the out of there by a mighty hand, by the outstretched arm. Therefore. The Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Helpless, slave in bondage, God delivered you. Rest in his Sabbath. Rest in his deliverance. That's the lesson that God is trying to teach Israel. That's the lesson he's trying to teach us. Remember that you were a sinner in the bondage to sin. Remember that he has delivered you with a strong and mighty arm. Remember your sin, be moved by his mercy, live eternally in his grace. As we live eternally in his grace, it begins with our home within our homes. Deuteronomy chapter 6 Hear, O Israel, the Lord, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You're moved by his mercy. These commands that he gives us shall be on our hearts. We should feel what he has done for us. We should realize what he has done for us. You shall teach them diligently to your children. So that the next generation remembers and shall at- talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk in the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Your whole life is to be consumed with God's righteousness and God's presence. Do not forget. Remember. But if you're familiar with Israel's history, Israel forgot. We're very familiar and encouraged by the words of the book of Joshua. Joshua records a great victory where the people crossed the River Jordan. Tremendous victory at Jericho, a little challenge, a little adjustment at Ai. But then the rest of the nation, kings were conquered in the south and in the north. And then they settled. Assigned portions of the land to the tribes of Israel. Joshua 24, the Lord spoke to the people of Israel through the prophet, I have given you a land for which you did not labor and cities for which you did not build, and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and of the olive groves which you did not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Serve the Lord. So during Joshua's lifetime, they enjoyed the fruit of their victory. They enjoyed the gladness of Canaan. But they began to forget. The book of Judges tells us something else. After Joshua died, Judges 3 says the people of Israel lived among the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites and the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. And their daughters they took to themselves, the daughters of the Canaanites, they took to themselves and their own daughters they gave to the sons of the Canaanites and they served their gods. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord, their God, and served the Baals and the Ashtoreth. The next generation, after Joshua died, forgot about the Lord. But God kept telling them to Remember. 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 Remember your sin. Remember my mercy. Remember my grace. Remember my deliverance. Do not forget. Israel forgot. The modern day church often forgets. Most profession Christians don't like preachers to talk about sin. There are very few churches today that will preach about sin. It makes you uncomfortable, doesn't it? They prefer a good, they prefer a God who is a concierge, someone you can pray to and he's going to answer your prayer and give you what you want, make you successful, make you healthy, make you wealthy, affirm your plan and your success, uh, your efforts for success in life. They tell preachers, don't ask me to repent. Don't give me anything that's going to make me feel down. Just keep telling me how good I am. But the faithful preacher will continue to remind you. God has blessed you with his mercy. Judgment was deserved, but God gave His only begotten Son to take away your sin and shame. Do you really think you owe Him nothing? Remember your sin. Be moved by His mercy. Live eternally in His grace. When we do remember our sin it does bring us down a bit. We are reminded I am so very often reminded of my own sin when I remembered why would God even waste a moment on my life. Why should I expect such grace? Isaiah 49. Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth, and break out in singing, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people. He will have mercy on his afflicted. Please be reminded that Isaiah is one of those prophets that preached about Israel's sinfulness. Their apostasy. They had fallen away from God, and God was judging them. And here he is offering them hope. Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth. Break out in singing, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have mercy on his afflicted. But Zion said, the children of Israel said, this is poetic. The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. The Lord has turned away from me. He doesn't even remember me anymore. Verse 15 of Isaiah 49. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget. Yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palm of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. God has the name of His bride tattooed on his hand. I don't know if that's literal, but he's making a point here. I will never forget. We are living in a generation where women today will forget their unborn children and have them put to death. But God says, I will never forget. Remember your sin. Be moved by his mercy. Live eternally in his grace. We have a great hope, brother and sister, to look forward to. And we get a foretaste of it. Or we should, every Sunday morning. Revelation 21 I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea sea was no more. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared for a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be no mourning, be mourning nor crying, nor pain any anymore, for the former things have passed away. We have an eternal hope, an eternal promise that we can remember if we live in his mercy, remembering where we were and how he saved us. As we come to this table this morning, let us remember what Christ has done. Let I, let your heart remember and grieve and rejoice at the same time with gratitude for what he has done. Father in heaven, let's look together into your word and into this truth to help us. May we be faithful in all things before you, and may we rejoice together in Christ Jesus. It is his grace that we have been given. It is because of the punishment he took we receive mercy. It is because of his sinless life that we are considered righteous and pure and perfect. May we be faithful to you. In Jesus' name, amen.